0: Good are they, hey? They're great. Let's give them a clap. So I want to teach you a new word. You might already know it. You might not know it. It's the word resolute. Resolutely. And I'm going to tell you a story about a time when I had to be resolute. So I, uh, I've got a picture up here when, the, when my PowerPoint's come up. Uh, if you want to follow along, I'm looking at Mark 11 today, the book of Mark, chapter 11, the beginning. So this here, has anybody ever seen this building? Not cool enough. This is my school. This is Hamilton College. And at the end of year nine, my mum announced to me that I was going to boarding school. Okay, parents, if you're just writing notes... You can't just get rid of your kids, no, no, no. Anyway, my mum announced to me that I was going to boarding school and she was going to send me to Hamilton College, which was a couple of hours away from where I lived and I had to wear like a posh uniform, which was way longer than I was used to wearing. Yep. And, uh, And it was a really big deal. And I remember the morning of school starting, I remember being like, you know put in my shoes on. They were way super shiny because they were new shoes. And my socks were the whitest socks you've ever seen because they were brand new. And like I said, my school uniform was quite long. I actually had to wear a blazer, like a jacket thing. Never wore those at Horsham High. Um, And I remember the morning coming up and and seeing that building, that was the clock tower and all the the school buildings were around and I kind of got out of the car and went... Alright, and resolutely I went into school that day and, um, and met new people and it was hard and it was full on and it was a really big deal but it actually was a huge shift in my life. My life changed radically the day I walked on to the property of Hamilton College and that's a whole other story which I don't have time for this morning but I had to be resolute. I've got some other uh, folk... I don't know whether you call them that, who had to be resolute. Who's this? Wrong. Ha ha. It's not Nemo. It's the other guy, Marlon. That's his dad. Okay. So Nemo touched the boat thing. If you've seen it, I'm going to touch the boat. And he touched the boat and then he got scooped up and taken away. And Marlon was freaking out. He's like, never left the waters here, never been anywhere, don't like going anywhere, everything's a bit too scary. I know I'm a clownfish, but nothing is actually funny. And there was this moment in him where he's like, I have to find my son Nemo. And he was resolute in his decision to go and find Nemo. Here's another guy, Buzz, who, what, 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 what was it that he had to be resolute about? You see, Woody, like his new best friend, he'd moved into Andy's house and Woody had been taken to be sold because he was like a really valuable toy and he wasn't meant to be taken, but he was. And then there's this moment where Buzz is like, I've got this. I'm going to rescue Woody. And he had to be absolutely resolute. He went resolutely out to rescue him. Here's another one. She's one of my personal favorites. Who's she? Anybody? Alastair Girl, aka Mrs. Incredible, uh, and there was this moment at which she actually found out that Mr. Incredible uh, was in danger. So she gathered up her children and she said, "We have to go and rescue your father." And they went resolutely out into danger with her children in tow, and Alastair Girl resolved to rescue Mr. Incredible. That's not bad, is it? Like three, you get the resolute thing? Resolute. Today's story is all about somebody who decided to be resolute. The story of Jesus this morning that we've heard about this, what's sometimes called the triumphal entry, is a story of a moment when Jesus was resolute. He was at his furthest part away in his journey. He'd been teaching. He'd been pointing people towards God. He'd been healing people. He'd been gathering up his followers. He'd been doing all sorts of stuff, which was really amazing. And there came a point in time where he was doing this, and then he went like this. And resolutely began to head towards Jerusalem. And began that journey towards the cross. He actually turned on his heel, set his eyes toward Jerusalem and said, it is now time. And it was a really big deal. Um, Stu Conkey mentioned to me the other day our fabulous children's pastor. Give him a shout if you love him. So, Stu Conkey, he works with our kids and does all this stuff. He actually said to me the other day, it would be so much easier if the whole story happened chronologically for the calendar year, where we could start the year and go, Jesus was born, it's Christmas, and then a bit further along, we go along in the story. And so, if it's a bit confusing, we're at the beginning of the year, and we're talking about the end of the story. Actually, it's not the end, but... This is a point in time where the baby had been born and grown and done all of these amazing things. And then he said, this is it. This is the moment. I'm heading towards the great crescendo. I'm going to wrap this story up in a way you could never imagine, said Jesus, as he set his eyes on Jerusalem. It was almost like a crossroad opportunity where he was at a, a turning point And he said, now the story going to look different, folks. He set his eyes on Jerusalem. So there was a little moment in there as well where something really different was going on for Jesus. Now, I think I've got up here, if this works, there you go, Jesus resolutely, there's our word, you won't forget it, will you? Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Um, I'll get to that story in a minute, that's going to be good, did I give it away? Um, so what he's also doing here is he's massively going public. You see, up until now, there'd been lots of times where Jesus had done things, and something epic had happened, and he'd said to the people, "Shh, don't tell a soul." Or he'd healed some people and made them see again, and they were like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And he said, shh, 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 "Shh, keep it on the down low. Don't tell everybody." Or something miraculous had happened, and he said, "No, no, 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 no. Don't tell everybody." keep it on the down low. But at this moment in our story today, he went, and now I'm going public. Now this is going to change. So I was thinking about this idea of going public and I don't know whether any of you have seen the show Undercover Cop. No, 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 not Undercover Cop. Undercover Boss is what it's called. So where the boss takes off his tie and his fantastic suit and puts on like a fake moustache and some glasses and a wig and goes in and works alongside of his co-workers, okay? So he's kind of gone in there incognito and uh, and he actually gets to know some of the co-workers, actually usually sorry bosses out there, but quite often they're quite rubbish at the tasks that they're asking their people to do. So, you know, if they own a great, you know, um, Taco Bell restaurant or something like that and they go in and they work and they can't. They can't cook, they can't pour the drinks right, they get the money all wrong. But anyway, they're in there and it's undercover boss and the people they're working beside have no idea that this is actually the owner of the company, They've got no idea that this is actually the massive manager who's employed them all and gives them all a living. But there he is right beside them and they're teaching him how to make the drinks or whatever it is. Um, And the end of what normally happens in any given episode, if you watch it, is he gets to know some of the people and he actually starts to really care about some of the workers and then he usually gives them some amazing prize at the end where he goes, you know what, you're really great for my company, you're really fantastic, I can see that you've had a tough life, here's $25,000 or a trip to Fiji. Um, So I was just thinking, Troy, not that I'm telling you what to do, but if ever you want to come and put a mustache on and and figure out how epic that Stu and Cindy and me are and send us to Hawaii, that's fine. Um, But this is exactly what Jesus has been doing. He has been undercover. He's been in there just kind of making things happen and showing people what this kingdom of God is like but not fully revealing who he is. And at this point in our story, when he turns on his heel, sets his eyes on Jerusalem and says, I'm going there. It's kind of like he's coming, you know, out into the open with who he really is. And he's resolutely setting his eyes on Jerusalem. So, another time when I had to be resolute. I had to to have surgery a little while ago and... uh, I was sitting in the waiting room and I had to be there at seven and it was like nearly nine o'clock and they still hadn't called me and they'd called every other single person in the waiting room and I was by myself and I was beginning to fret and I was thinking, oh, this is, you know, what's going to happen? Is it going to be bad? It's such an unknown. I'd, you know, never been in this situation before and then one of the nurses comes into the room and she looks at a piece of paper and she calls my name and I sort of like, yep, nowhere to hide. Can't pretend it's not me. And so I had to pick up my bag and go, let's do this. I I can do this. This will be fine. And I resolutely set my mind. Actually, I didn't really have any excuse. They were going to take me anyway. But I resolutely set my mind. (laughs) I've got to stop pushing ahead because I'm giving it away. (laughs) Um, And I... What I was thinking is I wonder if in Jesus' decision to be resolute and head towards Jerusalem, whether it actually brought up some fear in, his, in the pit of his stomach because it wasn't like he's, he's thinking, well, now they're going to figure out who I am. He was actually saying, now they're going to discover who I really am. Now they're going to see where I'm really going. Now they're going to figure out the purpose for which I actually came. And I wonder what it stirred up inside him. Because remember, he's actually fully human as well as God. And that's tricky to get. But I wonder how he felt. I wonder if he felt a lot like I did that morning when I had to get up out of my chair and follow that nurse down that really, really, really long corridor. Because this was actually big. It wasn't just a happy day. It wasn't going to be an easy day. It was the beginning of a a long journey towards a really difficult end and I wonder how he felt. Now, he sent his friends out to get a donkey. Did you catch that bit in the reading before? So he sent his friends out going, go to a town, and you find a donkey, actually the foal of a donkey that hasn't ever been ridden before. I mean, what are the chances of them finding that? But anyway, they go off, and they find the donkey, and they bring it to him, and he gets on it, and he says, this is what I'm riding, into Jerusalem. And I wonder if we were the people around him we would go, oh, I don't know, don't know whether that was your best choice, could it ridden like a big mighty steed because some of those people around him thought he was coming in as the amazing conquering king, he was, they were pretty sure he was going to come in and overthrow the Roman people and take the throne and go, this is it, this is how the kingdom's going to be but actually he was coming in to do everything in an upside down way but even more than that, he was actually coming in to fulfill something that had been written about so long ago. There's a passage in Zechariah that actually says, and the king will come riding on the foal of a donkey that's never been ridden before. He was actually reenacting that. And some of the people in the room in the in the in the audience around him watching might have gone, oh, this is the this is the prophecy. He's actually, he's that king. He's the king. He's the Messiah. And some of the people would have been like, well, you know, he should have been doing this, but instead he came on this. (laughs) Okay? So this was donkey, and they're like, why didn't he come on a mighty steed? Um, Instead, he came in on a donkey. But donkey. I can't do that accent right. That's just wrong. But this is because... Jesus turns everything on its head he's absolutely coming not as the mighty conquering king with a crown and a sword ready to say bring me my throne people he's actually coming in as a servant and he's like I will ride a donkey because I know where I'm going and I know what I'm coming to do and I wonder how he felt I wonder how his followers felt. Often a king will have servants, and sometimes a king is really good to his servants, and sometimes servants really like their king, but in this story, the king is the servant. The king chose to be the servant in this story, which is why in our skit before, he's not wearing a crown He's just wearing normal robes. He's not covered in jewels. And yet he was totally the king because of what the people were calling out. It would be a bit like if the Queen of England said, by the way, don't tell everybody, but I've bought a flat in the dodgiest part of London and I'm going to go and live there and you can convert my whole palace into rooms for people to come and live in? Yes, yeah, said no queen ever, as if. Or like if the rich man who, who owned like loads of restaurants out there said, what I'm actually going to do is, because I want to change the world, I'm going to open my restaurants up and give free meals to anybody who can't afford it. All the time, forever, not just like for a one-off publicity stunt, but always, my restaurants are from now on going to be places that feed the hungry. Said no rich guy ever. Maybe some rich guys, but only crazy radical ones. Or it'd be like if the general on his horse overseeing the mighty battlefield, standing up the back yelling orders to his second-in-command, who yells orders to the third-in-command, who yells orders at the plebs on the front line to go, if he actually got off his horse, took off his fancy armour, picked up a plain old sword and went down in the front line with the people. And like the other guy on the front line's going, he's sort of vaguely familiar. And he's like, you know, here I am, I'm ready to go. The General never does that. This king is the servant. This king came as the servant, and that's huge. <clears throat> so um, in Mark 10:45, it says, "Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many." He could have come and said, "I am the king." serve me but he didn't he said I've come to serve which is huge so I I was I was good when I was a student was was kind of good I didn't get into trouble lots but I might have had a couple of times when I got into trouble and there might have been a couple of times when I was sent to the principal's office maybe not like maybe once like let's just go with once and I just remember that whole, you know, I knew that I had to go to the principal's office and you pack your books up really slow because the bell's gone and you do it at the principal's office and you walk across the quadrangle and down along the corridor really, really slow. And then you sit down outside the principal's office and you wait and you know you do it. You know, you, you know, you've know, you just got to cop it on the chin. But it's the longest wait. And then the door opens and the principal says, Yvonne. <sighs> and so you get up and you're like, I'm going to do this. And resolutely, you walk it. Because there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. And resolutely, you go into that office and you go, yep, here I am. And I wonder how Jesus felt when he turned on his heel and he resolutely decided to head towards death on a cross, whether it felt different for him. Because for me, walking into the principal's office, I did it. I knew. I went. not to you what. But I knew that I knew. I did it. It was my fault. But for Jesus, turning on his heel... And saying, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to take all of the punishment that they give me. I'm going to take all of the blame that they lay on me. I'm going to take all of the consequences that come of this, even though it was not my fault. Even though I'm completely blameless. That took guts to make that move, that resolute decision to head towards Jerusalem. And he actually did it again and again and again, if you read on into the Easter story. I wonder if he thought, this is actually really tough. And the reason that he was able to say, even though this punishment is not mine, I'll do it, because he looked around at the eyes of the people who were surrounding him the eyes of the people that were taking off their best jackets and laying it on the donkey or lying it on the ground or waving palm branches or going, you're the king, you're the king. And he looked in their eyes and went, oh, I so love this. I'd do this every day of the week for you. That's why he did it. That's why he was able to resolutely make that decision to head towards Jerusalem. Um. It says, they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. And that sounds like a nice thing to do, but it probably wasn't something that happened often. It's not like they had five coats, and this was their old one that their mum wouldn't be cross about. This is their good coat. They're taking it off, and they're laying it on the dusty ground wasn't like a nice indoor floor. They're laying it on the dusty ground so that an animal can walk over it. That's a cost for them to lay this coat down, but they didn't think twice about it because they knew that this was the king. He was the king of kings, even though this whole thing was unpacking in a really different way to what they thought. And they were cutting branches. I'm tipping there wasn't like loads of branches around. This was like a desert region. So they were actually going out of their way. Oops. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They were actually giving him his full due. They've, they were figuring out who he actually was, that he was the king of kings, which was huge. So um, I've been running for a little while now. And uh, every morning... It's tough, it's really tough. So every evening, the night before I intend to run, I get my runners out, I put my socks inside them, I get my running gear out, I put my watch on charge because in the morning when I swing my legs out of bed, I am resolute, I am going to run. And it's tough and it's hard, particularly when I know there's hills or a long distance. And again, I wonder about Jesus. I wonder about how he had played this over in his head before. All of those years of being with his people, being with his friends, teaching them about God, pointing them subtly at where he was going. And then this is the moment he turned on his heel and decided, now I'm going to do it. It's now. And I think that's kind of big. If this is the king, then that's a kingdom I want to be a part of. And I'll tell you why. He healed people. He calmed storms. He walked on water. He fed thousands of people miraculously all at once. He turned water into wine. He brought people back to life. He healed people spiritually. He forgave people. He restored sight to the blind. He made scriptures come alive. He made fish jump into fishing nets. He ate with people who thought they were not good enough. He let people cry on his feet. He defended the weak. He lifted people up out of the dust. He spoke with gentleness. He filled people with faith. He called the crooks to account. He answered people's questions. He showed people how to pray and he showed people the way to God. This is a king we need. This is the kind of king we need. So just uh, thinking about this whole idea of Jesus being the servant king. When the world had greed, this is what Jesus did. He turned it on, his, on its head and said, no, no, no servant when the world said power and hate jesus said no 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 love forgiveness everything that the world said jesus in this entry towards the cross he turned it on its head and said no no not that but this He absolutely could have come and said, I'm the king of kings, worship me. But he didn't because he had an end game. He had a plan and his plan was to turn everything on its head, even to death on a cross. The king became the servant. So what I'm wondering is this morning, where are you in this scene? The scene of Jesus and the donkey And the palm branches and the cloaks being laid down, and people yelling out, He's the king, He's the king. And Jesus in his heart going, This is going to be tough. This is going to be really tough because he knew what was ahead. He knew that there was pain and hurt and death ahead. But he also knew why he was doing it. He knew it because God was doing something brand new in the world, it was a crossroads in history. When Jesus swung around on his heel and said, now I'm going to do it, I'm going to wrap this thing up, he's actually turning everything on its head and saying, selflessness, not selfishness, love, not hate, forgiveness, all of those things. So I wonder where you are. Are uh, Are you looking at the person of Jesus in life and going, I'm not, not really sure who he is. Might need to get closer. Can't, can't really figure it out. Not sure. Maybe uh, elbow, elbow your way a bit closer to the front and ask. Who is he? What's so good about him? What's so good about what he did? What's it got to do with me? Ask somebody. There's this um, great brochure I've put out this morning. It's called Why Easter? You know, maybe get that. Have a read of it. Figure out. If you're standing a little bit further back, come a little bit further forward and check him out. Figure out who this Jesus is. If you're following him and you're not sure because you're a little bit scared of what he might do because you were hoping he'd come on a horse and you were hoping he'd just conquer but you're hearing rumours of servant and cross and death, and punishment, and you're not sure about all of that stuff? Then come with me and read the Easter story. Read the rest of Mark. You could probably read a half a chapter a day between now and Easter, and really take it in. Take in why he did what he did. Have a read. There's some amazing bits in this story. Perhaps in the crowd, you're the one whose heart is beating going, oh, I know what he's done. You don't need to tell me twice. I so know what he did for me. I so know what he did for the world. I get that he's the servant king. I get that he's the king and the servant. Then worship him. Tell him he's great. Figure out more ways in your life to worship him. Are you trying to get a good look at him? Find a vantage point. Ask somebody to explain. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Are you not sure? You kind of get it, but you're not sure about this cross business because that's where some of the disciples were. This was different to what they were expecting. Then actually come and unpack the story of Easter. Or maybe this is you. You get it and you love it. And your life's been transformed by it like mine has. Because back when I started at that school, way back at the beginning of my talk when I talked about that school and how I resolved to go with my shiny shoes and my too long dress, at that school I met someone who talked to me about Jesus and told me the story of what he did and how he resolutely went to the cross for my life. And it changed everything. And I just want to spend my life doing this. He is so amazing. He is so amazing. So I thought we might have a ticker tape parade for Jesus. Because he came in, grab these, give us a wave. (coughs) This is fun. So if if Jesus were here today, we'd like be getting him to sign our jumpers, like we'd be he'd be signing our footies, he'd be signing our Bibles, we'd be like, Jesus is amazing. Whatever it is. So what I want you to do is take these. And for just one moment, write something on there. It's going to take a minute of quiet. Write something on there. This is our ticker tape moment. You might actually write, God, you are radical, amazing. You might write, Jesus, I love you. You might write, I haven't fully figured out who you are, but I'm keen to know. You might write, my heart is just beating when I think about what you did. You might want to write, Jesus, I want to stand resolutely with you. I want to journey with you to the cross in my own way, in my own life. The band's just going to play for a moment while you write something. Maybe when you're done, give it a little wave. Because if Jesus were here and it was the triumphal entry, uh, I'd be front and centre going, Jesus is amazing. Because I know the end of the story. I know how it all panned out. Let's tell him he's awesome. Let's praise him. We're going to sing. So you might want to keep these. You might want to hold on to them. You might want to wave them. Whatever you want to do. We're going to stand up and we're going to sing and shout because Jesus is that good.